I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. On Saturday, we teach at 2.30 because of the coronavirus. Then Mike plays this Sunday morning uh, on the Internet. And, uh, and we also meet on Wednesday afternoon at 2.30, and Mike plays that Wednesday night. And uh, what I'm trying to do on Saturday, I'm trying to show you prophecies concerning the end of time. Prophecies. Concerning the end of time. And there are certain things that are going to be true concerning the end of time. Uh you're going to have the judgments of God when preachers do not preach truth do not preach truth then the church at large cannot cannot obey God because most people don't study their Bible in depth themselves. They just don't. And they cannot obey God. And God says, when you don't obey me, in Deuteronomy 28, and in Leviticus 26, and in Exodus 18, and a whole bunch of other chapters... 15 the Bible says when you're disobedient I will send these judgments the sword and that will be war and rumors of war war and then I will send the famine and famine is a food shortage shortage of food and I'll send pestilence and pestilence is disease of all kinds I believe that all diseases that come on man through the centuries not just at the end of time at the end of time it's going to get worse I believe all the diseases from the from the plague of 1918 from the bubonic plague out of France and out of out of Europe, from the black plague in the same area over in Europe, up to current, what we call polio. Polio was considered to be deadly when I was a kid in the early fifties. I remember a, I remember a man's name. His name was Dwayne Radney. He was going to a Baptist church where my father was taking us to. And he got polio. And they said, you can't get around him. You'll get polio and you'll die. And everyone was terrified of polio back then. It had another name in the 40s. It was called infantile. Infantile paralysis. That's what... That's what the president, Franklin FDR, died from. Franklin Delano Roosevelt died of infantile paralysis or polio. 
and it would kill you, and it was deadly. Then they came up with a polio vaccine. And then later on, we had all kinds of diseases. You can look at, at the CDC, Center of Disease Control in Atlanta, and just ask them about all the diseases that have been in the world that are incurable. There's dozens and dozens of them, not one or two, not just AIDS or, or Ebola, and not just the coronavirus. That AIDS, Ebola, the COVID-19. I had a doctor tell me COVID-19 has been around since he got out of medical school in in 1985. He said, he does, he said, I don't know what the problem is. He said they do testings. One does a testing and another does, does a testing. And he said, nobody can get it right. He said, we don't know what it is. And Mary asked him, said, well, if they come up with a vaccine, will you take it? And he just looked, stopped and got quiet a minute. He said, I don't know. Depends on what they can prove with it. He says, it's something you cannot figure out. You know what that's called? distress of nations at the end of time with perplexity aporia a-p-o-r-i-a it means no way out in a quandary I'm not out to get COVID-19 I believe it's one of many diseases that's out there in the world here at the end of time people say it's not as bad as it's supposed to be or they've advertised some say it's worse it doesn't matter whether it's worse or it's less than it has been attributed to it it is still the judgment of God all diseases are the way the believer stays away from disease is you have to obey God that's what Deuteronomy you have to obey God and his laws and the preachers are preaching all of these lies they're preaching they're the charismatics say they have special gifts from God because that comes from the word charis, which is the word grace, which means unmerited favor. So they say God has given them the ability to speak in tongues. And we don't believe in tongues here. Tongues. I read an article that Mike sent me. And this article said there were up to 600 million charismatics in the world that's twice the number of our population in America they're all over the world they're taking over the world and that's proof that that doctrine is wrong would you would all men speak well of you they got they said they got these tongues there's two words for tongue in the greek dialectos dialect It was a different dialect of the Greek language. You say, Jim, you keep putting that on the board. This is one of the reasons that God is sending all of these diseases. I don't believe coronavirus is going to be the last disease that hits the world. Not at all. Not if God's word is true. In Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, Exodus 15, they have the word glossa, 
glossa means foreign language. Foreign language. They had a different glossa all over the world. Had all of these. And just very quickly, they said, How whoever may in our own dialect, wherein we, we were born. These were Jews from every nation under heaven. That was God's law that all the males had to come back to Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Ingathering. And they had been scattered because they had been a nation from 1 Samuel to Second Chronicles. This thing of prophecy is merely one story from the beginning of the Bible to the end. It's one picture. That's all it is. If I can help impart this to you, there was one bloodline that received the truth. That was Adam, down through Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalalel, Jared, uh, Enoch, Jared, then Methuselah, then Lamech, then Noah, and he had three sons. He had Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the lineage that followed Christ was Shem, and he was the one that was blessed. And we get the word Shematic from that, or Semitic. And that always goes all the way down to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And his name was changed to Israel in the 32nd chapter you say, Jim, you put it on the board so many times. This is the Bible story. It's one story. There's all kinds of events off of this. All kinds of events. They didn't just have one son. They begat sons and daughters. Seth begat sons and daughters. Enosh begat sons and daughters. Canaan, Mahalalel, Enoch, they all begat many sons and daughters. But that was the promised one flesh bloodline. And God tells Israel, if you go after other gods, when he puts them out here 4,400 years in Egypt, bondage, and then 40 years in the wilderness, he tells them after the, as they're leaving Egypt, when I take you into this land that I gave to Abraham, your father, 600 or so years before, when I take you to this land, if you go after other gods, I will send these judgments here. It's all the same story. It's not a bunch of stories. These are not Bible stories. This is the Bible story. One. The whole thing is one picture. That's what I keep trying to paint for people. Prophecy comes about, let me erase this. Prophecy comes about because of what Israel did while they were a nation. They went after other gods. God said, don't do that. And they did. It's like, when God says, thou shalt not, let me ask you this question. Did you do it anyway? I did. Did I break God's law? Yeah. Oh, but I know you did because of temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. I'm a man. 
All I have to do is admit what's in my heart, and I know what's in the heart of every man out there in the world. Sin. And that's what we do, and that's what he comes to save his elect people from. Now, the prophecy we're getting at, Israel was a nation. God chose them. He said, I didn't choose you there in Deuteronomy 7 because you were the greatest in nations. You were the smallest. When you look at Israel on a map, they were the smallest. They were on the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. So when they come out of... They come. They were 40 years in the wilderness. They were 375 to 400 years under judges. Judges. And they didn't have a king until you get to the books of the kings. First Samuel, that's where they got their first king. In the 8th chapter, the people murmured against the sons of Samuel, said they're heathens, we don't want them telling us what to do. We want a king. So God gives them a king. And all this time, they're a nation. And when they were in the book of Judges, they were always going after Baal, and the grove. Whether anybody likes that or not, that is the system called Christmas today. It's the same thing. And why would God destroy Israel by the millions and want us to keep this same system that Constantine brought in the church in 325 A.D.? I've said this so many times. I don't know if everybody's gotten a hold of it yet. In Revelation 17 and 5, the Bible says Babylon was the mother. She gave birth to and nurtured all harlotry. H-A-R-L-O-T-S. When you look that up, harlots in the Strong's Exhausted Concordance, it'll tell you harlot is the word pornea, P-O-R-N-E-I-A. It means idolatry. Well, let me define this word idolatry again for you. Idolatry is the word E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. It comes from ido, meaning to see or perceive. Now, this is what you do when you worship idols. And it comes from latruo, L-A-T-R-E-U-O, meaning to serve. It means to serve what you put into your eyes and your ears. That can be your car, your house, your flower bed. That can be a diamond ring, your position at work. When you worship that, when you worship what you see, what you put in your eyes, boy, that is the hardest thing in the world to overcome. Well, Israel went after the Baal and the grove gods. They did it under the book of the Judges. They would cry out and say, the... These pagans are overcoming us. These people of Moab, these Philistines, uh, all of the pagans. And God would send them a judge, a righteous judge, a righteous judge. And before you know it, when he died, they'd go right back to Baal in the grove. When they became a nation, 
for the first two books of the books of the kings, first and second Samuel, this was a battle between Saul and David for the throne. So they weren't worshiping Bell in the Grove till you get to first Kings. And God had given them specific instructions as they entered into the wilderness when they get to Mount Sinai. Moses, you tell them. You tell Israel. If they go after other gods, I'll send these judgments, sword, famine, pestilence. And I'll do that year after year after year. And the final judgment will be the beast that carries them away into captivity. Well, of course, Israel was split into two kingdoms. In First Kings, the 11th chapter, due to Solomon's going after all these women in the world, 700 wives, 300 concubines, and he went after them and brought their gods into Israel, their Ashtaroth, their Shemosh, their Molech. I don't know who people think those are. I've looked all of them up. Shemosh was the sun god of Moab. That was next door to Israel. Molech was the sun god of Ammon. That's northern. That's just north of Moab. And Moab and Ammon make up the country of Jordan. And that was just on the east side. Let me flip over here so I can get to a map that I can use. All right. Get over here to a good map. All right. I'll get to it. There's one I like. All right. So God scattered them. This is one picture. God came to the to the the seed or to one flesh, the Jewish flesh, through Shem, the second born of Noah, and He warns them they were in they were in bondage four hundred years. Like I keep saying, this is one story. While they were under kings for five hundred and ten years, they didn't want to obey God. The big the big thing they did not want to obey. Is there something wrong with the sound? Okay, we had some microphone problems and we're back on target. And I'm talking to you about Israel being involved in the Old Testament in sun and tree worship. And that was Baal and the grove. What Israel did during their time as a kingdom... What they did going after Baal and Grove, which was the same thing as Hercules and Venus. Uh, It was the same thing as Aphrodite. And the list goes on and on. And it was nothing but a deification of Nimrod, the man who started Babel. And I started to say to you before my white mic went out that Babylon mothered all idolatry. She mothered it. She founded it on a doctrine. She was the mother of harlots, pornea. Idolatry means to serve what you put into your eyes and your ears. Well, if Babylon mothered it all, she was founded in Genesis 11.4. 
when they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and this was their doctrine. This is what they said their doctrine was. Let us make us a name. That's all the evil in the world is founded on. When a man make, wants to make a name for himself, the word is Shem. Shem was God's prophet. He said, Bless me, the Lord God of Shem, that Canaan would be his servants, that was the sons of Ham, and that Japheth would dwell in the tents of Shem. One of the children among the Jews would inherit everything. Shem inherited it all. And they said, We don't like Shem telling us what to do. Let us make up our own Shem. The word Shem means authority. Let us make up our own authority, our own doctrine. That's what authority would be. Doctrine is the word uh, onoma in the in the Greek. Or, uh, shem was the same word as onoma in the Greek. It means authority. It means name. Name doesn't mean Jim. That's not my name. My name is my authority. Now, the reason God scattered Israel all over the world, it all had to do with what they did while they were a nation under Kings and First and Second Chronicles. Everything in prophecy has to do with what they did when they were a nation. They were warned beforehand. I gave this land unto Abraham then Isaac, and then Jacob, and Jacob's name was changed to Israel. When you come into the land, believe it or not, that's what's happening in the Middle East right now. It's a fight over the land. Middle East, and there's a reason for that. The reason the Arabs and the Palestinians believe that land belongs to them is because for five, for five excuse me from 1517 till 1917 the palestinians ruled the land they ruled what we call israel today and they it was under the rule of the turks and when 1917, when the when a man named Allenby, he was a general, you might call him a field marshal, Allenby, he was General Allenby of the British forces, came into Jerusalem, conquered Jerusalem at the end of World War One, except they didn't call it World War One; they called it the Great War. Because there hadn't been a war, didn't know it was going to be a World War Two. He marched in there, and he had he took over, and a and since the British conquered Israel or took them in possession, they were turned over to the British Commonwealth, which was Great Britain and all of its countries and nations, and they became a satellite nation of Great Britain in 1917 1920 there was a Balfour Declaration issued it was very 
confusing. They didn't know what it was. The Arabs thought it was in their favor. And the Jews thought it was in their favor. And this this declaration by Mr. Balfour, and he was he was the uh, ambassador to Israel. He was a British ambassador, and that declaration expired May fourteenth, nineteen forty eight, and it was up to the National Council of Tel Aviv, National Council. This was a part of the United Nations. It was a United Nations representation. National Council at Tel Aviv, that was the capital city at that time of Israel, that's on the eastern part of Israel, and part of the United Nations, sent in by the United Nations, and they they had to either give this land to the Arabs or to the Jews. The Arabs believed they owned it because for 400 years they occupied it about 90 plus, 90 percent, or maybe a little more, 92-93% of this land was occupied by Palestinians. That's why they said anyone who sides with the Jews uh, by the National Council, given their power by the United Nations, they're taking their land away. That's why they crashed planes into the World Trade Center. was because they said they had something in the Muslim nation among the Islamic people they had something called Al-Fatah Al-Fatah meant if you have anyone that tries to stop the Muslim religion going forward and you tried to defer that in any way, you were setting yourself up for al-Fatah or for a holy war against the Arab nations. And that was, that's what, when the United States, under Harry Truman, the president, he pressured all of the world to pronounce Israel a nation at the May 14, 1948, that's when war started breaking out between between the Arabs and Israel. On May 15, 1948, 45 million Arabs declared war. 45 million Arabs declared war against Israel and Israel had only about 250,000 people in Israel no way to compare with the 45 million so they had wars ever since and it's all because God scattered Israel in the Old Testament for having gone after Baal in the grove which was the same thing that Constantine brought in the church in 325 A.D. 
and renamed the Feast of Saturn or the Saturnalia. Feast of Saturn. Rename that Christ Mass. And I've got a paper that gives you all of the different dates that Christmas actually moved into. They added things through the years. I've got a... This is a paper. I'll give everybody a copy of it. On prayers for the dead, making the sign of the cross. What year that came in. When they do this making the sign of the cross. It gives you the veneration of angels and dead saints in 375. The Mass as a daily celebration came in in 394 A.D. And then it goes on down. The doctrine of purgatory came in at 593 A.D. The worship of cross images and relics in 786 A.D. And then celibacy of the priesthood where they couldn't be married and have sexual relations that came in in 1079 AD then the rosary was implemented into the Catholic Church in 1090 AD indulgences that's where they would sell indulgences so that you could they would sell indulgences so that they could build St. Peter's Basilica. And indulgence was where you went to your priest on a Monday, gave him money for some woman you was going to sleep with on the following Friday. And you was going to get drunk. That was an indulgence. That was paying for your planned future sin. And that's one of the main reasons that Martin Luther left the Roman Catholic Church. Transubstantiation was given by Innocent the Third in twelve fifteen AD. Then auricular confession of sins to a priest when there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, that was brought into the Roman Catholic Church in twelve fifteen AD. The adoration of the wafer, where they say that was the literal body and blood of Christ, came in in twelve twenty AD. The cup was forbidden for the people in communion. Only the priests could partake of that. And that was in 1414 A.D. Purgatory was proclaimed as a dogma. In 1439, you had to go... Purgatory comes from the word purge. And you had to go to this place called purgatory so your sins could be purged. And that was an, that was an affront to Jesus Christ who was the one propitiation for our sins the doctrine of the seven sacraments in 1439 tradition of the declared equal authority with the bible by the council of Trent. that's where they said the pope had more authority than the bible and they said that if the pope differed with the bible you had to go with the pope and the Apocrypha added to the Bible was in 1546. The Apocrypha is the pseudepigrapha. Pseudo means false. Graphe means writings. It doesn't mean they did, weren't written. It means they were not part of the canon of Scripture. The early church fathers said no. 
the Immaculate Conception of Mary. That's something most people know nothing about. The Immaculate Conception was not the conception of Jesus as a Immaculate Conceived without sin. It was Mary being Immaculately Conceived without sin. And And she said there in Luke, the first chapter, My soul doth rejoice in God my Savior. Mary said she needed a Savior. She wasn't conceived without sin. That was the Immaculate Conception. And they didn't know that she was conceived without sin until 1854. Is that crazy? The infallibility of the Pope in matters of faith and morals, 1870 A.D. And the assumption of Mary, the bodily ascension of her into heaven, since she had never sinned, that was in, I was 11 years old when they got that into the Catholic Church, 1950. And Mary proclaimed being mother of the church, 1965. I was 26 years old when they found out that Mary was the mother of the church. Now, that's just, I'll go back through some of that. Now, because Israel went after these gods while they were a nation, God scattered them. He scattered northern Israel by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. He scattered southern Judah or southern Israel comprised by of the nation of the tribe of Judah and Benjamin that was in 586 by the Babylonians now all the prophets after the carrying away and all the prophets before the carrying away are preaching to Israel everybody from Elijah Elijah says no rain in Israel for three and a half years. That would be famine. And all the other prophets, when they preached, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, they all preached about these gods that they went after, which was brought into the church and renamed the Christ's Mass. They will come back into one nation at the end of time. We said that when I covered Isaiah 11 and Ezekiel, Ezekiel, the 37th chapter. And you have it all through the Bible when God says, I'll regather them. I'll regather. They should have been annihilated along with the legions of Rome a thousand years ago. What is it that kept them together? Because God promised them these things. Now, what I'm trying to cover with you, I'm trying to cover, and it's going. it takes a lot of lessons. It's a lot of information. It's something I have studied for 60-something years. I haven't studied it a little bit. I've studied it a lot. 
everything in the Bible is about God pointing to Israel as a nation. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name changed to Israel. His 12 sons became the nation. And he warns them before they come into the land. At the beginning of the 40 years in the wilderness, don't go after other gods. If you do, I'll send these judgments, sword, famine, pestilence. The famine of the coronavirus is just one of the signs and pictures of God's dealing with Israel. It's not the only sign. It's all the diseases, all the incurable diseases that we've had. All of them. Now, I'm trying to show you how the prophecies of God, I'm trying to show you how He says, if you keep my judgments and my commandments, I'll stay with you. You'll conquer your enemies. You'll have plenty of food. Your children will be healthy. But if you don't, I'm going to scatter you. I'm going to take your food away. I'm going to send all kinds of disease. I'll send wars and rumors of wars. And then the final thing I will send is the beast. The beast is not a man. You got the beast mentioned twice where it's very plain in the Bible what the beast is. Look over there in Daniel the seventh chapter. Daniel seven. Now Daniel seven Daniel is in Babylon under the rule of several kings, Nebuchadnezzar, all the way down to Darius. Darius loved Daniel. And Daniel is Daniel was carried away. I said that there were three deportations in both of these movements of the Assyrians. They had three deportations of northern Israel into captivity. And there were three deportations of southern Judah into captivity. And Daniel is crying out to God in that ninth chapter. And he's saying, how long are we going to be in captivity? There were three deportations, one in 605. We're talking about southern Judah. One in 605 B.C. One in 597. I always put 96. Not sure which year it was, B.C. And then the last one was in 586. That was a slaughter in Israel. It was a military movement of Nebuchadnezzar with his armies in to level Jerusalem, burn the place to the ground, pull the stones off the temple, pull the walls down, and burn everything. Then they plowed it up and sowed it in salt so nothing would grow there. Israel looked like a wasteland. Well, Daniel was carried away along with Ezekiel in this second deportation. Those were peaceful deportations because Nebuchadnezzar saw that Israel was not going to obey. They would not pay their tribute to him. Now, that was a legitimate thing to pay tribute. That was like taxes. And that's something you had to pay in order for the king to repair your roads and to bring in to be your protector if some other nation came up against you. There was nothing wrong with tribute. It was the same thing as taxes. 
Well, Daniel is crying to God through this ninth chapter. May I remind you, this is all one picture. It's a picture of the promises to Abraham back here before the captivity. It's a picture of Israel as a nation, what they did, how God scattered them, how he's going to bring them back at the end of the time, and that's where they are right now. What I want to do is take take some time to go through all the nations all the nations that 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 were controlling Israel and ruling Israel during all this time. I gave that to you on a piece of paper. This is what ruled Israel in the ancient world. Let me erase this. Make it more clear. What ruled Israel from the time they were carried away in 722 and 586, 722, 586, what ruled them from, in the ancient world, Babylon ruled them first. Well, Assyria was northern Babylon. Babylon ruled them. And Assyria And then they were ruled by... Babylon was overthrown by Persia. And all of the land area that Babylon ruled, Persia now ruled. Persia gave the decrees to go back and rebuild the temple and the city by three kings, Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes. Or Art, I'll put Art. Of course most of the Jews didn't come back and the reason God put them over in Babylon is because they said we don't like your rules God we don't like that we have to take every seven years and leave the land alone and not harvest anything or plant anything and that was God's method of I keep saying crop rotation if you don't have a rotation of crops in America, out in the Midwest, you'll burn the ground up and it won't grow nothing. So when they do grow out there, they've got to call a man out, a farm agent. I always think of a farm agent. I think of that guy on Green Acres, the dumb guy. What was his name? <laughs> he was on Green Acres. He was so stupid he'd come out there and he didn't know what to tell him to do. But I always think of that. And then they have to call a farm agent out who have to take a soil sample, take it in the environmentalist's office and test it and see what kind of, of mature manure, what kind of fertilizer they need to put in the soil. Well, instead of doing that, God says, I want you to take every seven years so the land will restore its nutrients. But they said, we don't want to do that. If you don't do that, you're going to burn the land up. They went 490 years where they never kept the sabbatical years. It's 70 sets of those. We don't know which kings it was. 70 times 7, that was 490 years. They were sabbatical years. Can you imagine after 490 years not taking a a crop rotation year and can you imagine how dead the land was? By the time God carried them away in five, 
In 586 BC, southern Judah had the land had to be dead. In 722 BC in northern Israel, there were 490 of these years that they never kept sabbatical year. That's you say. Why didn't God tell them? He wasn't supposed to tell them. He was said, "Don't plant. Just do what I say, and I'll fill up your storehouses and your fields." If you, he, here's the whole point. He wasn't going to break his covenant with Israel just because he's having to carried away to Babylon. That's not why he did it. He did it to get them out of there, and he said, "You got to stay over here for seventy years. In seventy years, the land will be ready and restored for you to go back and plant again." It wasn't even so much. It was so much. Was that my mic going out again? All right. Anyway, there there was nothing they could do to restore that land. So they went that long. So God says, here's the way he puts it. Let me put it on the board this way. And you find that sabbatical year over in the 25th chapter of Leviticus, which says, leave the land alone. Well, they went while they were a nation for 490 years, 70 times 7. They had 70 sets of, sets of those sabbatical years. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. 1, 2, 3, 4, 4, 5, 6, 7. And they had 70 sets of these years that they never kept Sabbath. So God says, I'm going to put you in Babylon for 70 years so the land will restore its nutrients. He put it this way. says there in the 36th chapter of 1 Chronicles, so the land can enjoy her Sabbaths. That's what he put it. He said the same thing in Leviticus, the 26th chapter. I believe it's verse 34 and verse 43. So the land can enjoy her Sabbaths. She has to have that. And the only reason they went after other gods was because their other gods did not choir every seven years leave the land alone that's the main reason we're going after other gods and they'll give us all that we want without these every seven years everything about prophecy is wrapped up in Leviticus 26 where he sets up the seven the sabbatical years and they say no we don't want that so we'll get us other gods that will let us have our way our greed. And so here's God sets them over here for 70 years from 586 BC until 516 BC. That's 70 years. And they finished building the temple in 520. And most of the people did not want to go back. So God says, if you don't go back after I have restored the nutrients in 70 years, 
what I'm going to do is measure out this 70 times 7 or 490 years. I'm going to measure it out. And when that's finished, here's the way I'm going to set it up. I'm going to give a commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. When I give the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem, there were four commandments given under the Persian kings. One, two, three, four. When Persia overthrew Babylon, they overthrew Babylon in 539 B.C. That's when they overthrew Babylon. And in 538 B.C., the first king, Cyrus, or the first king, biblical king of Persia, Persia was what we call Iran or Afghanistan. I'll just put Afghan and Pakistan. That was Persia. Babylon was Iraq. Babylon was Iraq. Lot to that word. So this is Babylon right here, Iraq. And this boundary line here starts Persia, and that goes over to Pakistan, Iraq, and so forth. So he says, I'm gonna what I'm gonna do and when this is all over we'll be at the end of time. And that's what I'm pointing out to you. Let me erase some of this. People don't even know that what got Israel in trouble with God was worshiping Christmas under another name, Bell in the Grove. In the ancient world, it was the same thing. I keep saying that the only reason Constantine brought Christmas in the church, he didn't want to lose the empire which was founded on the Mediterranean to the Goths, the Visigoths, the, the Vandals, the Huns. These were barbaric people that were not being ruled by the Roman Empire. And he says, I have to bring their gods into the church at Rome. And that's what he did. And he called it Christ Mass, or he changed the festival of Saturn to the Christ Mass. So he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to measure out 69 of those weeks. And he gives you this in Daniel 9, 24 through 27. The angel, the angel of the Lord Gabriel comes to comes to Daniel and he tells him he says 70 weeks it actually says 77's are determined upon thy people and thy holy city the holy city was Jerusalem he said to do six things these six things we're going to here's what we're going to do we're going to finish Israel's transgression against God for worshiping all these other gods. 
we're going to make an end of sins. That means to stop the sins of Israel. When will that be? At the end of time. To make reconciliation for iniquity. Reconciliation is the same exact word as atonement. Kapar. When they sprinkled the Ark of the Covenant with the blood of a goat, that was the Day of Atonement. And then he said, we're going to bring in everlasting righteousness. That won't happen till the end of time. We're going to seal up the vision and prophecy. We're going to stop all prophecy from happening or being said or being spoken. It's all going to be fulfilled. We're going to anoint the most holy. That's the most interesting part of that to me. The most holy was the inner sanctuary, and that was called the house of God. Because God came down out of the cloud and sat on top of the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant, and he dwelt there, and that was called his house, or that's where he married Israel married Israel and that is the I am that was Jesus pre-incarnate and this inner sanctuary was called God's house and the New Testament house of God is us Christ is the son of his own house whose house are we and our hearts are inside the holy of holies the house of God and the Bible says our hearts are sprinkled just like the ark of the covenant is sprinkled so we're going to anoint the most holy that's this house here, right there. And I got a lot to say about the cherubim on the each end of that, and the cherubim that are woven into the woven into the veil. Now, so God has carried them away, and the Bible says, God says, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. This is in verse 25 of Daniel 9, 25. To restore and build Jerusalem. Or build the city. Build Jerusalem. From the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. And that happened in the fourth decree when Artaxerxes gave Nehemiah a decree, letters. He gave him letters to restore and build Jerusalem. I got a lot to say about that, but I don't have time to go into it. To restore and build Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince. That's when Christ came in Jerusalem. Messiah the Prince. From that, from the time of Nehemiah, the second chapter, unto Messiah the Prince, when Jesus comes to Jerusalem in Luke 18, this is the time period, seven weeks, three score, and two weeks. A score is 20, three score is 60. 60 plus 2 is 62 plus 7 is 69 of the weeks will be finished and then God will blind the eyes of the Jews blind Jews eyes at that point 
that's what he said in Luke the 19th chapter not 18 Luke 19 he said he looks out over Jerusalem said to the Jews if thou hadst known even thou in this thy day the things that belong to thy peace now they're hid from your eyes now you're blind then he opens the eyes of the Gentiles it's going to take the entire 70 490 years or 70 weeks of Daniel for these six things to happen in the 24th chapter and excuse me the ninth chapter of Daniel it's going to take the entire 70 weeks so he says from the going forth the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto my side the prince will be 69 weeks or 483 years 483 years so there's one week to go that will come at the end of time at the end of time there's going to be great tribulation such as was not from the beginning of the world nor ever shall be we're living I believe in that generation I don't know. It can get worse, and it won't do nothing but get worse. The Bible says evil men and seducers will wax. That means to grow worse and worse. I don't believe America has any future. The only future is for those of us who are believers. There's no salvation in this nation not in democracy not in capitalism that's not a righteous government now so he says what I'm going to do I'm going to measure out so we come at the end of six to nine weeks that is right before Jesus goes into Jerusalem before he was presented as Hosanna God save the king Hosanna means God save the king. That's what they cried. They crucified him as the Passover lamb just four days later. Passover lamb, four days later, comes in. They present him as king, throwing these uh, palm branches in front of him. That's the way the king would enter into a city. So they're crying, Hosanna, God has saved the king. But he's crucified as the Passover lamb. He's blinded the eyes of the Jews there in the 19th chapter of Luke. Their eyes are blinded. And then you go into the last days. A day is of the Lord is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. The last days were here at Pentecost. I don't know when they began, but they were here at Pentecost because Peter, Peter said concerning these dialects and glosses they were speaking in, he said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days this would happen. In the last days God would pour out of his spirit on all flesh. And that means 
it doesn't mean every human being. It means red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. Whereas over here, he only gave his truth to the Jews, to that flesh of Abraham, or to the flesh of Shem, or the Semitic flesh. And then the Jews are blinded here. They're blind. Now what I want to show you is they were under the rule they were under the rule from 586 from 586 BC that was when that was when Babylon came in and the Assyrians came in and carried them away. Then they were under the rule of Persia. And then Persia was overthrown by Alexander the Great by the Grecian Empire, by Greece. And this was the Babylonian lion, the Persian bear, and the Grecian leopard. And then they were under the rule of the Roman Empire. Roman Empire, and that was the beast with iron teeth. And it devoured all of these before it, subdued these. And during Jesus' time, the beast was here ruling the world. Rome. People say, where'd the beast end up? Well, it was here during this time. Let me kind of show you this. You can't see it with all that up on the board. Let me erase some of this. I'll erase this and leave that up there. Now, so the Roman Empire is ruling during the days of Jesus. And we know they... And in 70 A.D., the beast is still ruling. That's Rome. That's when Titus, the Roman general, came in and leveled Jerusalem in 70 A.D. They had their last great battle at Masada, Masada was a mountain, a flat mountain over by by the by the uh, Dead Sea. If you you've got Jerusalem, got Israel, you got the Dead Sea here, and you got the Sea of Galilee in the north. You got the Jordan River running from the Sea of Galilee into the Dead Sea, and there was a place over here close to the Dead Sea. It was this mountain, it was called Masada, and that's where the Jews made their last stand in seventy AD. Seventy AD. Now that paper I gave you shows you the reason they were scattered was because of what they did here. 
But God is not going to forsake His people. He said in Psalms, the 89th chapter, just because you don't keep my statutes and my commandments doesn't mean I'm not going to keep my covenant with you. I want to bring all of this upon you until you repent. Now, what I want you to do is look at that paper I gave you. I can't do all of this all at once. I'll have to come back and give you some other things. Now, this paper I gave you will tell you in 70 A.D., that's when they were under Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. And then 70 A.D., that's where Rome comes in and slaughters Israel, scatters them all over the world. They had been scattered. You have to remember something. During the days of Christ, only southern Judah or southern Israel was back from the captivity. That was two tribes. That was Judah and Benjamin. That's the only people that that those decrees were given to because the temple and the city is in southern Judah. So, only southern Judah was back and Benjamin was back from the captivity. Not the ten northern tribes. They were considered the ten lost tribes. The ten lost tribes. Another whole story that goes with that. What I want to do is show you from 70 A.D., you got Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, ruling Israel, all because they went after the fire and tree worship, which was the same thing that Constantine brought in the church in 325 A.D. and called Christmas. If you think God will do all of this and you'll let us off for doing the same thing, you're really wrong. So I want us to start here on this paper with 70 A.D. That's the first thing on the paper. I'm going to read this to you. So, Israel has never, ever completely been back, not even in the days of Jesus. The only time they became one nation as the 11th chapter of Isaiah, the 37th chapter of of Ezekiel says, he's going to bring Judah and Joseph, which was northern Israel, ruled by his second-born son Ephraim. I'm going to bring them back into one in my hand. And that'll be at the end of time. That'll be May 14, 1948. See, I was nine years old. I turned nine two days after that. I was born May the 16th, 1939. I was just a kid when it happened, but it happened during my lifetime. Now, Jerusalem, or the city of peace, the city of Salem, that's what it means. On your paper, you have one of these, Zach? Okay, I got another one over here. Titus, 70 A.D., destruction after the siege of 143 days before the siege was concluded, it says 6 million, 600,000, 
Some say a million one hundred. That's a wrong. That's a misprint there. Six hundred thousand. Some say a million one hundred thousand Jews were slain, with thousands more led into captivity. That was in seventy A.D. when Titus came in. Titus later on became the emperor of Rome. His father was emperor at that time. No history in in, in among in Jerusalem for sixty years after its destruction. No history. One last futile and tragic attempt of the Jews to win freedom from the Romans. There was a rebellion in AD 134 by a false messiah called Jesus Bar Kokhba, and he failed in his efforts. He was overwhelmingly crushed. What was left of the city was leveled and the foundations plowed up. Two years later, the Romans began rebuilding the city of Jerusalem and renamed it Alia Capitolina. All Jews were excluded from going into Jerusalem for 200 years, for two centuries, until the reign of Constantine. That would be just about right for Constantine's reign. Tragedy awaited in the wings in history for this city of peace. That's what it means. In AD 614, a Persian general named King Carosis II seized the city and slaughtered 60,000 Christians and taking 35,000 more into slavery. Now, 14 years later, that you notice I, I just put, I just wrote on there with a pen. 14 years later, A.D. 628, the reason I'm putting these time periods on here is to show you how they don't have peace and how they're under rule of these people. They haven't had any. The only time they ruled themselves was in 586 before they were carried away. Heraclius made peace with the son of the invader Croesus, and in Jerusalem in triumph he beat him. And then nine years later, eighty-five, eighty-six, thirty-seven, the city capitulated, or they surrendered to Omar the Caliph. Caliph is their is the same thing in the Catholics as the Pope, the head the head god entered into its precincts without bloodshed AD 688 BC or AD the Dome of the Rock was erected that's where Jerusalem came became one of their holy cities Mohammed acquainted with the Old Testament and the New Testament felt it necessary to be identified with this city. Now it is holy to the Jews, Christians, and Islam. And the Dome of the Rock sits on Mount Moriah, which is the temple site. And if you remove the Dome of the Rock, let me put it plainly, all hell will break loose. There will be World War Three. You cannot remove the Dome of the Rock. That's why they... 
gosh, it would take me into a long explanation, but that's why they can't build the temple anywhere but where the Dome of the Rock is, and therefore they couldn't be offering any lambs, and any lamb that would be offered, if they could offer it in the right place, would be an affront to Jesus who said he was the one sacrifice offered once for all in Hebrews 10. 969, 280 years. Jerusalem fell under the power of Shahi Caliph of Egypt. Forty years later, 1009 B.C., Caliph Hakim, son of a Christian, began his devastating work in Jerusalem. And then just five years later, A.D., 1014, 30,000 churches in Palestine had been pillaged and burnt. A.D. 801016, two years after that, persecution stopped only when Hakim, A.D. 1009, became convinced that he was divine. And then 61 years later, 1027, Seljuk Turks drove out the Egyptians, slaughtering 3,000 residing within the walls. 22 years later, a new era, pitiful and sad and a shameful dawns. A.D. 1099, June 7th, Christian army of the First Crusade the Crusades were trying to regain the Jerusalem for the Roman Catholic Church. In camp before the city, the city was seized on July the 14th. Talking about Jerusalem, a slaughter pursued by those so-called Christian knights. For 80 years, the city knew no other enemy at its gates. And then something to shame the so-called Christians. Enter Saladin the Great. 188 years later, A.D. 1187, September the 20th, Saladin encamped, entered on October the 2nd, enforcing strict orders no force of violence or orgy of conquest. No raping of women. This is Saladin. This is a Muslim. Sets down a righteous law, you could say. No orgy of conquest would be engaged in by his soldiers, such as the Christian crusaders had engaged in a hundred years before this act of mercy put Christians to shame. Then 42 years later, A.D. 1229, was, Jerusalem was regained by Frederick II. Just less than 20 years later, they, Jerusalem fell before the Charismian Tartars. Then on the back, you've got to flip to the back. I'm trying to show you that Jerusalem will fall by the edge of the sword, they will be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentile rule over the Jews is over.
And that started happening May 14, 1948. Then A.D., four years later, A.D. 1247, it was seized by the Egyptians. A.D. 60, just a little less than 20 years later, was recaptured by the Tartars. Then 1517, you might want to mark that, 257 years after it was gained by the Tartars, it was seized by the Ottoman Turks and held for four centuries from 1517 to 1917 at the end of the Great War. World War One is what we call it. That's where it was taken away from the Turks and set under the rule of the British Commonwealth or the English. First World War beginning of the end of God's judgment, General General Allenby of the British forces entered the city on foot December the 9th, 1917. He led his horse in. He said he was not worthy to ride his horse in Jerusalem to conquer them like some warrior. October the 31st, 1918, an armistice was signed between Germany and the Allied forces. 400 years of Turkish misrule came to an end. After more than seven centuries, Jerusalem came under the rule of Christian conquerors, but they weren't a nation. They were merely a satellite of the British Commonwealth. April 24, 1920, a mandate for Palestine. When I was a little boy in the early 40s, there was no Israel. I remember in elementary school, when I was six and seven, eight years old, we always referred to that as Palestine. It wasn't until 1948 they started calling it Israel. It wasn't until 1949 or 1950 till they got the books replaced at all the schools where they had Israel in there. When I was a kid, it was called Palestine. I can remember in the fourth or fifth grade when they called it Palestine. April 24, 1920, a mandate for Palestine was assigned to Great Britain. Zionism began by Theodore Herzl in 18... in 1897. Approximately, Zionism was begun by Theodore, T-H-E-O-D-U-R, Herzl, H-U-R-Z-L. He was a Jew... H-U-R-Z-L. He was a Jew, and he started Zionism. Zionism was an effort. This is what's amazing. They could not foresee 1917 under Theodore Herzl as being a liberation of Israel, and that it could certainly couldn't see the Balfour Declaration of 1920. So what they did under Herzl they started a movement. 
for all the Jews to put receptacles by their doors and by their in their houses and everybody would drop money into that so they could in hopes one day buy a land and call it Israel. They couldn't see of getting that land back that was being dominated and dictated to by the Palestinians. She suffered one reverse after another in the attempt to rule this country. During World War II, the final slaughter, six million Jews, and it was called the Holocaust, the last sword to cut Israel down was an Assyrian, a Caucasian named Adolf Hitler. And because he had slaughtered all these people, May 14, 1948, the British mandate terminated and the National Council at Tel Aviv proclaimed the state of Israel for the first time in 2,600 years. With 100,000 Jews in Israel, they were a nation for the first time since 586 B.C. and 722 B.C. The Six-Day War of 1967 gave them their city back that's because the Jordanians were ruling and in that six day war it looked like they didn't have a chance the times of the Gentiles have come to an end of slaughtering the Jews you could look at that over here in Amos the ninth chapter verse 14 Amos 9 let me read that to you People say, what's going to keep them being picked up and carried away again? It's not going to happen. Not according to this. Amos 9.14 I will plant them upon their land. Amos is living in the 8th century B.C. And God hasn't even scattered northern Israel or southern Judah yet. And he said, I will plant them upon their land and they shall no more be pulled up out of the land which I have given them, saith the Lord thy God. I hope you can see this huge picture. That's all it is. Am I out of time, Mike? Five. Five minutes. The Six-Day War of 1967 gave them their city back. The times of the Gentiles have come to an end of slaughtering the Jews. The Jewish nation is back to begin their final 70th week that will end all sin and bring in all everlasting righteousness. And the last thing on the list is one of my favorite verses concerning what I've been teaching you. Luke twenty one, twenty four. When I used to travel as a young evangelist back in the late sixties and early seventies, I would if I said I was going to teach on prophecy, I'd have people open to this verse first. Luke twenty one. Twenty-one, and we'll look before twenty-four. How much do I have time to have, Mike? Four. Four minutes. I won't be able to read all this. I'll read verse twenty-four. They, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword. That's the sword. That's God's sword. I'm going to talk more about this next week. 
and shall be led away captive into all nations. What I just read to you off this paper is the nations that have ruled them from the beasts, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome, to all these nations that ruled over them, the Turks, etc. They'll be led away captive into all nations. That was the beast that led them away. That was the last of God's judgments. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the whole context of this section, starting in verse 20, is the Gentiles ruling the Jews. They shall fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captive in all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the Gentile rule over the Jews is finished. Jerusalem didn't wasn't turned over to the Jews May 14, 1948. It was June 5th through 10th. 1967 that's called the six day war and during that war Israel drove these Jordanians over here drove them out of Jerusalem what we call the west bank of the Jordan River drove them out to their own land and and Israel on June 5th through June 10th took over Jerusalem for the first time since they were carried away by Nebuchadnezzar and we're living and concerning this verse the Bible goes on to say there'll be distress of nations with perplexity in the next verse the sun shall not there shall be signs in the sun I got much to say about that and in the moon and the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity aporia no answer there's no answer for the sword the famine the pestilence and the beasts they're God's judgment I keep saying don't blame me for I won't take a stand on the coronavirus I will take God's stand and say all of this is his judgment I'm not going to stand with the right or the left or Democrats or Republicans on this I'll stand with God you can get mad at me if you want to it's ridiculous God says I'm going to send pestilence well it's not as bad as what we think what if it's not you think God can increase the coronavirus a thousand fold he's done that before I stand with the Lord's judgment on this then he goes on to say There'll be distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves whirring. We're having more hurricanes, more tsunamis, more earthquakes than we've ever had in the last hundred years. Men's hearts will be failing them for fear, for looking after those things which are coming up on the earth. Part of the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Got a lot to say about that. Don't have time. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. All these things will happen here at the end. And when these things begin, Archimai, not when they've been happening a long time, A-R-C-H-O-M-A-I. An arc is the beginning of a circle. When you complete it, you have a circle. 
That means beginning. When they start to happen, lift up your heads and look up for your redemption draweth nigh. It's here upon us. I'm not setting a time, but the Bible says, no man knows the day nor the hour, but I will give you a sign. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your truth. Convict the hearts of people and let them know that they need to be looking to you, those that are believers. I thank you for these truths. Help us, Lord, to continue this message and convict the hearts of the believers that they need to be living for you. They don't need to be arguing with one another. Our stand is with you, God, not with this world. Thank you for these truths. Fight our battles. I don't want to fight anybody ever again. We'll praise you for everything in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I hope that scares you. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. so much to this there's so much to every every decree there's all kinds of scripture on it but this is the whole picture of the bible that i'm painting from one end to the other